I think what we've got is this sort of journey around this highly anxious question of when is enough enough? And then we start to realize that working with that question produces a path to a kind of equanimity. When is enough enough for me? Well, that provokes a kind of self-awareness that starts to create a boundedness to the question. Right. And as we continue down that relationship with the boundedness of that question, when is enough enough for me to feel my big three, love, safety, and belonging? When is enough? What would be enough to make me feel loved, safe, and that I belong? All of a sudden, we end up in this very, very interesting place where the question no longer has any juice, no longer has any charge. Because what we get to do is just notice in the moment, moment to moment, do I feel loved, safe, and that I belong? I do. Until I don't. So begin again. Yes, sir. And we begin again. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. When is enough enough? Let's sit with that question for a moment. What comes to mind? What even comes to mind as the thing that you might need enough of? Is it money? Is it power? Is it love? Or something else? Now let's take it a step further. How would you know you even have enough of whatever that is? And what will having that do for you? I'd say that most people this question is posed to come back with a response related to some form of success, whether it be financial or accomplishments. And that's exactly how I've answered it myself. But the more I sat with it, the more I listened to this conversation, something new came to light for me. There was a key moment in my past, a moment I can recall with vivid clarity. I was a boy, maybe eight or nine, and it was about nine o'clock in the evening. My dad was upstairs in his bedroom. My sister locked away in hers. My mom was downstairs in the kitchen, and I was floating between them all. I can still see the darkness of the hallway, only illuminated by the light coming out from under the door of my sister's room. And I can feel the distance between them by the distance of the noises they were making. I could feel that there were things happening around me that weren't right, things that were potentially breaking my family apart, things that were scary and hurtful. And in that moment, that little boy who now lives within me He faced a choice. Be true to his feelings, name his needs, name what he sees, bring his whole self, or shove it away in the hopes of saving the others. He put the feelings aside, the things that pointed to his own truth, his own needs, and he's still active today. Whenever I step into a challenging situation, one where fully expressing myself and what I want, and perhaps going against others and what they want or need, it's absolutely terrifying. Keep it together, he whispers to me. The goal is to keep it together, to keep them happy. Don't worry about you and what you want. When will what I want, what I need, what I value, when will that be enough? When will I stop needing to be someone else for others, start bringing my wholeness and fullness to the world? When will being myself be enough? Steve Kane, 
is a man who appears to have enough by any external metric. He's a successful serial entrepreneur, has a wide-ranging and fascinating career, kids he loves dearly, and he gets to live the life he wants. And yet he still wrestles with this question that has shown up many times in his career and his life. When is enough enough? Now, I've had the pleasure of getting to know Steve over the last 10 years, and he's someone I'm truly grateful to have in my life, someone I have learned a tremendous amount from. But I think in this conversation, I think I have a new respect and appreciation for Steve. And in this discussion with Jerry, you can hear Steve making the transition from the question, when is enough enough? To the question, when is enough enough for me? Enjoy. Being the CEO of a startup is hard. It can be lonely, long hours, constant demands, never-ending, unforgiving to-do lists. If you're looking to reboot and refresh what it means to be a CEO, join us in Boulder, February 28th through March 3rd, 2019, for Reboot CEO Founder Bootcamp. Over this long weekend, the Reboot team will help you establish greater awareness of your personal leadership habits by creating a customized strategy for being the leader you want to be, all while building a network of peers that you can rely on. We're currently accepting applications through November 15th, and this is one of our more popular bootcamp slots, so it will be sure to fill up fast. If you'd like to learn more details or you're ready to apply, head to reboot.io slash bootcamps. Hey, Steve. It's great to see you again. Why don't you take a moment and just sort of introduce yourself? Give us your name and whatever identifier you want to use. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I'm Steve Kane. I um, am, uh, let's just say, uh, north of 50, uh, age-wise. I hope I can, you know, modestly say I'm a serial entrepreneur, been, uh, the co-founder of uh, five startups, uh, and have um, happily run the gamut from big success to big not success. Um, I think I've invested in both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I am, uh, happily, uh, the father of, uh, two sons, uh, had a long, happy marriage, now divorced. Um, probably summarizes for the moment. Mm -hmm. That that's wonderful. And, and there is an, a new initiative underway at a domain, uh, what's the domain gethappy.life? Yes. Um, I'm, I'm, I have like a big grand ambition someday. I always do. But in this case, um, there is a, um, a, a new thing going at the domain gethappy.life. And, and, um, but we're going to talk about something broader than that today, right? I mean, um, yeah. Yeah. you reached out and, and we're having a little dialogue around this. And, and I'm intrigued by... Uh, uh, this question that you sort of put and as kind of a core topic, which is when is enough enough? Right. And yeah. And I, and I think that we modern people in the modern world, if we're lucky enough to be modern people in the modern world and not everybody on this planet are modern people living in the modern world, but we are. And I consider us to be very, very lucky. And one of the luckiest things about being a modern person in the modern world is that we get to think about the quote-unquote pursuit of happiness. Mm. We don't have to just struggle for survival for the most part. Um, and, and I think, you know, sometimes, you know, 
we drive ourselves a little crazy worrying about the pursuit of happiness or are we happy enough or what is happiness? Um, and so I've really gotten quite interested at this stage of my life in my own personal um, pursuit of happiness and, and the effects it has on the way I live my life and the way I try to plan my personal and my professional um, day, day in and day out. For example, I've, I've recently gotten quite interested in mindfulness and meditation, which I think actually has a lot of interesting wisdom from, you know, many, many cultures and many, many eons of time that, that, you know, at least for me, feels like it has a real important something to say about this pursuit of happiness. And one is enough enough because I, I, I would humbly submit that one of the things that makes modern people unhappy is this relentless feeling that they don't have enough or that they're not living the right life or that they're not doing the right thing or that they're not owning the right possession or doing the best job or comparing themselves to everybody they know. And of course, in, in a world of, you know, broadband social media, like our exposure to other people's attempts to portray themselves as happy, which I think most people do on social media, very rarely do we see people like putting up pictures of unhappiness well, I, I, I'm fascinated by the connection um, between the happy life and knowing when enough is enough. Right. And, um, and, and the notion of the fear of missing out, the notion of comparing oneself to the projected stories that we make up when people present themselves online. Uh, I think is really powerful. I'm reminded of something that Yancey Strickler, who uh, was formerly the CEO at Kickstarter, once said on this podcast, quoting Theodore Roosevelt, he, I think he said, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. And I think you're hitting on uh, similar issues. But because it's the Reboot podcast and because it's Jerry, I'm not going to let you get away with just uh, <laughs> sitting on the pedestal um, without talking a little bit more about your own experience. And, and one of the things, Steve, that I have always adored about you, and this goes back to 1999 when we first met, was that I think that you, back then, as an entrepreneur, you were beginning to grapple with when is enough enough. But you were doing it not from a place of when is enough of my life, you know, these larger existential challenge, but really from an entrepreneurial perspective. Like, right. is that enough? And um, I often tell incorrectly the story of Gamesville. Can you tell us a little bit, um, yep. a little bit about the Gamesville story? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So tell that okay. story. So I was the co-founder and the CEO of Gamesville, um, which I'm, you know, proud to say turned out to be a big success story in Web 1.0. And in addition to all the other goodness of Gamesville, I met you and uh, Fred Wilson and other people. Um, and got and who were involved with helping me with the business, and so very very happy outcome. But you know, Games was actually my third startup, and um, 
my my co-founder and dear friend uh, Stu Roseman and I, um, when we started, uh, you know, the company later known as Gamesville, um, our ambition was to you know create a, a business that we both found intellectually stimulating and hopefully financially successful. Um, but we didn't have some ambition to be like kings of the internet or you know make a huge score. Um, my, my, my company before that one had been a successful, uh, company, um, that I had actually had the extreme good fortune to collaborate with my father who, uh, deserves 99% of the credit, dad, sorry, um, maybe a hundred percent, but in any case, um, that had a, a happy outcome also and, and a good financial outcome, but it was an, it was an incredibly difficult slog. And uh, my dear father uh, passed away very, very suddenly from completely unexpected random infection, uh, you know, just at his 57th birthday. And I ended up running the deal after that. So that, that really impacted me, you know, literally like, like, you know, holding my dad's hand, you know, as they pulled the plug. And, you know, from that moment forward, I've been kind of obsessed with the idea of when is enough is enough. If, if a, if a person can just be, you know, taken off the planet randomly at 57 years old, well, let's, let's enjoy today. You know, that kind of sounds trivial, but it's, or, or like a trivial idea, but like, wow, it, it is the only thing that matters. And then, you know, the internet kind of in, you know, kind of blew up and, and Gamesville became, you know, a much, 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 much bigger thing than any of us ever imagined on the day that we started down that path. Um, like when we started the company, we didn't know anybody else who was doing a, a tech startup. We weren't going to networking events. We weren't reading blogs. There was no such thing. And so, I, I, mercifully, I guess, in retrospect, we were spared the comparing ourselves to everybody else feeling. We were scared to death because we were thought we were going to fail at any moment, of course. Mm-hmm. But we weren't worried that we weren't doing this because this other company was doing that. And we weren't going, you know, measuring ourselves by putting out press releases about, you know, venture capital fundraising and all the things that people take for granted today. Mm. Um, And so when the opportunity came to have a very, very successful exit of the company, you know, we were overjoyed and it was beyond anything that we ever, ever imagined could possibly happen to us, even though at that moment, which would have been like the very, very, very end of 1999, um, by that point, the FOMO thing was in, you know, kind of tsunami strength and not just like blogs, but like television, CNBC and, you know, the Wall Street Journal and like everybody was, you know, kind of trumpeting the new age of these kind of superhero type entrepreneur characters and these, you know, visionary see the future Internet startups. And we, we did feel a certain amount of pressure to keep going for that reason. Like why, why would you take, you know, the medium size brass ring when there's this huge brass ring around the corner. And I think it's the combination of all those factors. I said that we were in that particular case, happily, as it turned out, um, able to say, you know what, enough is enough. And only like, like we couldn't imagine the type of person who could look at that type of an opportunity and say, that's not, that's not enough. And so we said, yes, you know, I don't want to claim that we were smart, that we knew all those things at the time, but we just had good gut instincts about when is enough is enough in that. Sort well, of- I think it's more than just good gut instincts. I mean, I've often referenced back 
to that experience um, as an expression of what I saw on the outside, because I sat on your board during that time period. What I saw on the outside was someone who had recognized the experience that his father had gone through as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'll be honest with you, I did not, I had not tracked at the time that your father was 57. Yeah. And the truth is we're both in our fifties. Yeah. And so that 57. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. That 57 is like almost the same age. Yeah. 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 yeah, Right. It's blanking out there. Yeah. yeah, So I think that there is, uh, that one can have a kind of theoretical at a distance, um, philosophical relationship to the question of when is enough enough. And one can have a visceral, emotional, grounded, authentic relationship with the question of when is enough enough. And in, you know, perhaps, perhaps it's a stretch, perhaps not to say that your father, one of your father's gifts to you, even with his passing, suddenly and unexpectedly was a reinforcement of that of the of your answer to the question when is enough 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 is when i have when i'm here right i i yeah i i kind of like deeply at every fiber of my being level agree with with that you know i had a very very excellent and loving relationship with my father. And I definitely, you know, I, frankly, I got that, I got that learning from him, even if he didn't pass away suddenly, he had a saying he used to like to throw around all the time, which is the mission is to buy low and sell high, not buy lowest and sell highest. So in some way, you know, he was always kind of pointing out that like, you know, like, it, we all keep score, but there are other things in life other than the score. Um, so I, I, you know, I get a little bit emotional when I talk about my father. I loved him a lot and he was very, very important to me and gave me all these lessons. Uh, the other thing that, you know, that my father said to me very early, he was an entrepreneur. I don't think he ever used that word. Um, it really wasn't a common word in his generation and his era, but he, Started businesses again. Some succeeded, some failed. Um, and um, one day, when I was old enough to realize that he was a little different than other dads who were either working for companies or maybe they were professionals, like a doctor or a lawyer or something, but um, but he wasn't. He he was his own boss, and he was kind of working seven days a week and scrapping along. and And I asked him how that happened, and his answer to that was, "Well." I could. I can't work for other people. I have to work for myself. I'm gonna say the wrong thing. I'm gonna get fired. I'm gonna, you know, have attitude when it's inappropriate. And so, for me, like the whole idea of being an entrepreneur was all about that, like satisfying that kind of soul or heart level desire to be independent and to chart one's own course and to take those risks, rather than to get the cover of some. I'm showing my age by using these references, the cover of some magazine or whatever the, 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 you know, the, 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 the star speaker at some conference in, in Silicon Valley or something that literally never crossed our minds when we were starting 
the company games well, it was always about like we're going to be our own boss we're going to make our own rules um and so i guess you know that's that gave me this great foundation of that was enough bringing it back to when is enough enough that was enough it wasn't going to be enough if we went broke and had to shut down so mm-hmm. you know we had to keep score we had to have like a successful business financially that could you know take care of us and pay for our rent or whatever um but but the independence part of it was enough and in that sense i kind of i feel sympathy for today's entrepreneurs who i think come out of the gate in a world of like comparing themselves to like all these things that that are so challenging to try to like think about one's own life compared to i don't know like that that memorable horrible line from the movie social network um, where the, 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 the co-founder says, you know, who cares about a million? We're playing for a billion or, or whatever the, that line of dialogue. Like, wow, my God, the stakes are really like so high. So we were lucky we didn't have that. So I, I, I see um, two other themes here which go into feeding knowing when enough is enough. Because that's really what we're talking about now is moving away from the question and into the knowing when enough is enough. Right. And the, the two themes that I see, one is to, to stay with your dad for a moment. Your dad had a degree of self-awareness that was fairly admirable. Right. He knew enough about himself to know that he wasn't going to be happy and he'd probably get into trouble working for someone else. Right. And I suspect that this led to an internalized definition. And so therefore he gave that gift to his son to do the same thing about himself. Right. Right. And you and Stu, when you found a game. So, but you also, um, I think out of that came a self-directed definition of success. So the kids, as you were thinking about them, um, part of what's going on there is, I think, an extrinsic definition of success. Success is a billion-dollar exit, or success is a $120 billion valuation. Right. Success is not achieving enough. And um, there is something quite powerful both in, in all the wisdom traditions that we are hanging out with in, in our uh, dotardness, our elderliness, right? Um, there's something really powerful in being able to check in with oneself and say, and I think not only answer, ask the question, when is enough enough, but when is enough enough for me? Right. Amen. Yeah. Right. Because and the corollary to that is what is success for me? Right. Or to broaden it slightly to the team, what is success for us? Right. And I think you and Stu and John at Gamesville said enough, a.k.a. success, is it is to exit in a way not selling at the highest, but selling high. Right. Yeah. No, we explicitly talked about that at the time. 
What do you mean? Say more. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, get in the hot tub time machine and remember what it was like, you know, in the second half of 1999. Um, and, and, you know, know that, you know, Gamesville just had, you know, wonderful metrics, audience metrics and retention metrics. And we had, we were, you know, making money even. And in those days that was rare. So we had great financial metrics and, uh, and, and so, you know, you even had cash in the bank as I remember. We were completely uh, a mystery to certain of our investors who couldn't figure out that they had a portfolio company whose cash position was increasing from month to month. Right. Um, but in any case, so like we had, you know, the investment banks were like ringing, the phone was ringing off hooks. Everybody wanted to queue up for, you know, uh, an IPO. And we had great relationships with great investors who were very comfortable and, you know, it seemed incredibly likely that they would be really supportive of a further funding if we needed further funding. Um, it was a pretty charmed moment. And, and yet we had this, you know, buyout, uh, proposal, um, from Lycos network, which was then one of the big, you know, kind of, I think the word back then was portal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like this really exciting offer from a very successful big company with a, with a, with a solid financial basis, but it wasn't anywhere near what, you know, the bankers would have predicted, like the valuation would have been the market cap, you know, as a public company, which they were confidently predicting was, you know, less than 12 months away. And, and so, you know, we actually had to sit down and say, well, here's the bird in the hand, here's the bird, here's the two in the bush, and try to evaluate, you know, their relative merits, if you will. And it just, it seems... It seems so obvious now, but it did not seem at all obvious then that the bird in the hand was enough. It, it was enough. And, um, and we did, you know, make that, we did make that call, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. I, I would say, like, I actually would come back to the point you made a minute ago that it's like, it's not how much is enough or when is enough enough. It's when is enough enough for me. And so we all fall into this very understandable, but very scary and risky and dangerous mindset of not thinking that, not thinking when is enough enough for me. It's when is, when do I feel good about comparing myself to other people? Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's dangerous because um, we end up, if we go too far down the path of the comparison, then enough is never enough. Amen. And I think a lot of people, and I'm not claiming to be above it all. I, I suffer from this affliction myself, but I think pretty much we all suffer that affliction, at least at various points of various days that we can never get to the point of view that enough is enough. It can't be enough. There's that guy over there and he's, you know, got a bigger pile than me, or there's that woman over there and she's got a nicer house than me, or there's that family over there and they're taking cooler vacations than I am. And, and I'm going to go even further, just a little bit to play with that. Or there's that guy over there. He has more peace of mind than me. And there's that guy over there. He's got more equanimity than me. Right. My point is just this. It's not just about the acquisition of material goods where this enough is never enough phenomena. It's, uh, the acquisition, if you will, it's treating 
the movement towards a, a spiritually grounded place as yet another transaction, yet another thing to be acquired. Right. Well, I, I can't disagree with that. I, 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 one of the things I'm really enjoying as I'm kind of starting down the path of focusing some part of my time in my life on mindfulness and meditation and things like that is, is the, the learning that I, I feel like I'm getting from some of these great teachers, which is that, you know, mindfulness isn't like, oh, there's some deep idea out there that don't, if only I can like shape my thought in a certain way, that idea will enter my consciousness and I'll be an elevated human being or something. It's no, no, no. It's, 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 it's that there's a process and that we, we spend our lives trying to get better and better and better at the process, but the process you know, again, it's one of those kind of hallmark card kind of thoughts, but that the journey, it's the journey. It's not the destination. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I hope that in my own personal journey that I can focus on the process, whether it's, you know, mindfulness and meditation or just the process of living my life and trying to enjoy every breath because I know that I don't have an infinite number of breaths rather than believe that there is like you just said that there is some person who has achieved some type of equanimity or some type of insight or some type of peace or some type of spirituality or knowledge or that that is that 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 you know god i just i don't want to swap one ladder for another <laughs> ladder mm-hmm. that would just be awful but i i do agree that that our culture whatever it's just the culture we live in that we we want to worship people in a certain way. You know, we want to worship them for their success. We want to worship them for their beauty. You know, maybe in certain cases, we want to worship them for their spirituality. I think that um, the words that pop into my head in reaction, um, you talked about process and the word that came into my head is practice. Um, This notion that it is a practice and that the relationship to to understanding when is enough enough for me is in fact an ongoing and dynamic practice. Right. Because the other thing is when is enough enough for me in the moment in my life now. Right. And so there's this awareness of who I am, what's going on. I'll bet as your father held your hand, as you held his hand, from my lips to God's ears, it was enough. Yeah. In his final moments, it was enough. And yeah. he could close his eyes and settle into that. And, you know, as I think about this, um, I think about this notion of a movement towards when is enough enough and a, and a journey and, You know, what I see, I brought you back in time to Gamesville. I brought you back in time to your dad. We're going to go forward again. And um, with the benefit of hindsight, you now know for sure that that decision at the time in 1999 would result in you having enough financial wherewithal to feel safe and secure and that your, your family would be happy. Yes. 
And that was a motivating factor. And now, though, I think you're realizing perhaps that there was also, you were able to get to a point where um, you could extend that to when is enough enough generally, not just materially and not just for financial reasons. Yep. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's, you know, you know, again, I'm, I'm really very much on the first day of the first, of just starting out on this path of doing this new project at get happy life, you know, but, but it is, it is informed by, you know, my experience, you know, of how my, you know, otherwise happy long-term marriage ended. We, we didn't know when enough was enough. We were together for over 20 years, 22 years. And, um, she's an awesome person and being married to her was one of the most rewarding times of my life. And I say that just on the basis of having a relationship with her. I mean, we also had two wonderful children and all sorts of things. And, and culturally, you know, we're, many of us are bred, even the most liberal, I'm not talking about religious people necessarily, even the most atheistic or kind of liberal progressive members of, our, of the crowd have this, feel this cultural pressure that when it comes to something like a marriage or a long-term relationship, enough is never enough. If you're unhappy, be quiet and go back. Um, if, if, you know, that, 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 that breaking up or divorcing is somehow, you know, uh, um, uh, caving in or, or losing or failing, um, and so there's this tremendous pressure, you know, to maintain the image and to, to live unhappily. And in retrospect, uh, I sure wish I could get in a time machine and go back and talk to that earlier, younger version of me and my ex-wife and say, you know what? Like, you did it. You know, you can be successful and say enough is enough. They're not, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, and, that, and, that, and that there is, and it's not like a binary thing, success or failure. You can have success and a new beginning um, and, and not call that new beginning a failure. You know, like, like new beginnings aren't all phoenixes rising from ashes. Sometimes they're babies, you know, being born into the world. You know, I, I think it's, there's, there's, you know, there's a broader learning for, for many of us, which is, and then and, and again, I would bring this back to kind of the, 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 the practice of meditation which is that the practice is to learn to begin again. And so if we have some notion about when is enough enough, well, we can actually kind of just not even answer that question. Enough is enough anytime we need it to be if we are choosing to begin again. You know, when is, when is enough, you know, thinking like, you know, anybody who's tried meditation knows that you're sitting there lost in your thoughts and thinking like a failure, like what? I'm not meditating. I'm thinking, but you know, some of the really interesting wisdom I've heard from some teachers is no, 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 that is meditation. And that the practice is to come back, you know, come back, right? Like there's no such thing. When is enough thinking enough? It's like, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's a non-question. So to summarize, I think, what we've got is this sort of journey around this highly anxious question of when is enough enough? 
And then we start to realize that working with that question produces a path to a kind of equanimity. When is enough enough for me? Well, that provokes a kind of self-awareness that starts to create um, a boundedness to the question. Right. And as we continue down that relationship with the boundedness of that question, when is enough enough for me to feel my big three, love, safety, and belonging? When is enough? What would be enough to make me feel loved, safe, and that I belong? All of a sudden, we we end up in this very, very interesting place where the question no longer has any juice, no longer has any charge. Because what we get to do is just notice in the moment, moment to moment, do I feel loved, safe, and that I belong? I do. Until I don't. So begin again. Yes, sir. And we begin again. And so the power of a good question like when is enough enough is it dissolves. It's not a bad question. It's a hugely important question. But it it perhaps leads, if we allow it, it leads to the ability to be able to, as one would do on the meditation cushion, notice the thoughts have drifted and then you come back. Right. And it's that coming back that's the practice that gets happy. Am I seeing this correctly? Oh, no. I, I, I feel like we should probably just say thank you and good night because that was an incredibly excellent description. Mm-hmm. At full disclosure to anybody listening, like I am a very um, happy uh, veteran of a reboot boot camp. <laughs> um, but I will say that when I when I approach the boot camp, and I and I obviously am familiar with the work of Reboot and your work, Jerry, and this notion of radical self inquiry, I did not understand what you meant until I actually experienced it because my I thought from a distance that it was kind of like an attempt for everybody to have that cathartic ending from the movie Ordinary People, mm-hmm. where finally Timothy Hutton opens up and relives the night that his brother drowned and his feelings of, of responsibility and that that catharsis allows him to like have life, you know, like mm-hmm. done once and done. And I thought, well, okay, but I don't really know what my ordinary people think. What am I, you know, but no, 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 you know, the, the whole, like what I came away really appreciating is that radical self-inquiry is not an ends. It's, it's, it's a, it's a continuous means. Like we should it's always, a it's a practice. It's a practice, right. And it's not necessarily about digging out some, you know, buried hurt, although it can be that. It's just the practice of kind of being aware of the fact that we're very uh, vulnerable and frail people. That's just, we were born that way, to quote Lady Gaga, like nothing you can do about it. And at some point, maybe the pursuit of happiness is just an awareness of our vulnerability rather than an attempt to squelch it, Mm. right? Right. Um, uh, The original Hebrew of the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, Mm. uh, the the King James version of the Mm. Bible, which we all know because it's become the ubiquitous Bible in the Western world, in the English-speaking world, 
uh, the first three words of the Bible are in the beginning, but a lot of scholars would actually tell you that the first three words of the Bible in the ancient Hebrew are in a beginning. So, so I'm, I'm very drawn towards, you know, kind of spiritual ideas or theological ideas that are about in a beginning, mm. like it's not a linear path. Mm. Um, I think we have to score ourselves along the way. And, and the good news is that we can begin again at any, at any moment we want. It's not a Well, we can begin moment. again, even, even in our last breath. We can, Pema Chodron, the, uh, the Buddhist nun who's been such an important teacher in my life, often speaks about successful meditations, sessions. Um, sometimes a successful session is um, that we spend 20 minutes gathering wool only to wake up in the last 10 seconds to say, oh, I've been gathering wool. And we've begun again. Right. You know, I, I think that, I think bringing it back to radical self-inquiry in that way, I think is super powerful. And, you know, perhaps the question again, when is enough enough? When is enough enough for me? Or let me alter it. What is enough for me in this moment? in my life, in the meat bag of me as I exist right now. Right. Right. In this moment, talking to my dear 20-year friendship friend, Steve Kane, this is enough for me. Well, you beat me to it. I was, I was going to, you know, apologize for being sentimental, but I completely agree. Like, I, I really feel like that's something that has taken me 56 years of life to even be able to think about that this is enough. You know, that, 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 that the moment is enough. Mm. So, Steve, I want to thank you for this conversation. I think uh, it was incredibly helpful, and um, I'm imagining uh, some entrepreneurs who are struggling with that core question even as we talk. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, go to reboot.io slash podcast to listen to all five seasons of our podcast conversations. And leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash sign up so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. How long do my soul get to right? Can any human being ever reach that kind of light? I call on the resting soul of Galileo, king of night vision, king of insight. Ready for a more in-depth journey of radical self-inquiry? We've developed a new free five-day email course designed to explore and work with your shadow. Get started at reboot.io slash shadow.